reborn out of disaster, four survivors rose again to form a legion of the world's strangest heroes. Da 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 doom patrol! I'm your host, Scott Coles, and with me, as always, is Murray Fox. And this week we are looking at Doom Patrol number 25, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Number 25 from August 89. There you go. August 89. Oh. $1.50 in the US, $1.85 in Canada. Really? Man. We had a $1.85 comics. Yeah. I remember dollar seventy five. I remember huh, I don't remember dollar eighty five. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was just the uh exchange rate yeah, shenanigans, yeah. I guess. Yes. Yes. Anyway, there we go. So Bucking hot on the heels of our red jack adventure. Yes. We have a I guess you can call it a fill in issue. It's certainly not done by the regular penciler and inker. So that's uh, interesting. There wasn't a lot of um, yeah, fill-in issues in, I, in the Mortson run. Yeah, I thought uh, Richard Case covered did, most of it. Yeah. Did most of it. Yeah, that was kind of cool that he was able to do get like this big body of work on. on uh, exactly. This one here is uh, by Morrison, Doug Braithwaite. And the cover says Nyberg as well, but I don't see where. Because in the inside it says Braithwaite and Scott Hanna. Huh. Well. So allegedly Nyberg may come in here somewhere as well, but we don't know. <laughs> we will see. We will see. Now, where did we leave off with, uh, not Crazy Jane, with, with uh, what's her name? Yeah. Yeah. She is, as far as I can tell, still in a coma, and they brought her back, I guess. Okay. Okie dokie. They rescued her, but nothing new there. Yeah. She's not. Because she doesn't wake up until later on. Okie dokie. All right. So she's just hanging out, sleeping it off. Guess so. Yeah, yeah. All right. This is a particular issue deals with the Chief Josh and Dorothy Spinner, so... The rest of the team doesn't really have much to do in it. We advance a little bit of the Brotherhood subplot, and that's about it. So Right. Mostly it's about Dorothy Spinner and her crazy mental powers. Right. And we met Dorothy in... She came in... Didn't she come in during the end of the... Uh, the Kupperberg run there? I believe so. I think it was round number 10. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. But she was never a main it, player. It may have been closer to the end of the couple of I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. But... We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. I'm pretty sure she was around when the Doom Patrol teamed up with Supergirl. Okie dokie. Back the day. Okay. So. We will see. We should do research, but well, that's just not the way we roll. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no, you guys will figure it all out. <laughs> People Fister, we're looking at you. <laughs> totally. Okay. This tale is called Imaginary Friends. We have a crazy cover. It's got uh, 
Dorothy Springer's monkey face screaming in the front. And there's all sorts of weird things in the background, eyeballs and teeth and hands and crossword puzzles. <laughs> Which is just the way I feel when I have to do a crossword puzzle. <laughs> wacky, wacky, I tell you. So we open with uh, some, hmm, some bloody red shoes. Uh, symbolic, perhaps, mm-hmm. of something. Mm-hmm. You women's lip uh, <laughs> there can uh, fill us in. And we uh, see on another side scene, we see the the mountain that uh, the Duke Control Headquarters is located in. And the chief is talking to Josh. He says, before I go, Joshua, Maxwell Lord of the Justice League called yesterday. Apparently, a number of items were left behind in the souvenir room when the original League abandoned the complex. Lord is particularly interested in something called a Materiopticon. Ooh, the Materiopticon. <laughs> That's Dr. Destiny's... Uh, I think so. That was... Device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was... Uh, that played a role in Sandman at the very Sandman, beginning, too, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. Lots of little crossover things here. Yeah. So the chief says, <laughs> the recent the league recently had some some kind of tedious skirmish with Doctor Destiny. <laughs> They're anxious to re- retrieve all copies of the Materiopticon. Can you take a look? He says, sure. You don't seem too concerned about the fact that Cliff and the others have been missing from was two days. I'm not. <laughs> Wherever they are, the Doom Patrol can take care of themselves. You should know that, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Send them off into battle, and then you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, where are you headed? Washington. With a new president in the White House, my government commitments are at an end. All that remains is to clear up a few items of business. He says, also there's the matter of some debts that Irani accumulated during her term as team leader. Ah. <laughs> Always paying off the old lady's bills. That's right. <laughs> you know, I never could figure out why Irani should have claimed to be your wife in the first place. The poor woman was hopelessly insane, Joshua. No other, what other es- explanation do you require? Can you imagine me married? I mean, really. <laughs> Joshua's like, well, if you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So Josh is hanging out in the uh, monitor room, I guess, reading a book. He's reading Confessions of an English Opium Eater. This will be mentioned again later on in the, in the run. Thomas De Quincey? I think so, yeah. Uh, Dorothy comes into the room and says, Mr. Clay, how are you? Dorothy, how are you? You settling in okay? Well, not really. There's something wrong with the TV. I didn't really want to bother you. He's like, hey, no problem. I'm not too great with TVs, but I'll take a look. So uh, they go down, down, down into her, where her room is. And uh, the TV is in the corner. It's just sort of blank. Well, that is a problem. She's been like that for the whole day. It's really boring. <laughs> the whole day, and you didn't tell us? I didn't want to bother anyone, she says. Where can you find more kids like that? Yeah. So on the TV <laughs> screen, we see a room. It's a blank white room with tiles and a table in the middle. It's on every channel, and it's been on all day. <laughs> it was okay for a while. I kept thinking something might happen. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. It's weird. Maybe we're picking up some stray satellite transmission. 
I don't know. It's too bad the Chief just left. You like TV, don't you? I guess you feel, feel kind of lost without it. She's like, yeah, I used to watch it all the time back on the farm. I never did get out much. You know, looking like a monkey and all. <laughs> so did your mom and, pop, mom and dad teach you? Or did you go to school? It's like, they didn't have time for that. My imaginary friends taught me. What? Sure, they taught me how to read and write and all kinds of stuff. Imaginary friends? Uh-huh. Didn't you have imaginary friends, Mr. Clay? Doesn't everyone? Hmm. Well, I guess, yeah. Well, now that you mention it back in the orphanage, I used to imagine I had a magical dog, Mr. Vinegar. I used to talk to him all the time. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Vinegar? <laughs> That's a great name for a dog. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Clay clearly had a... Uh, a lovely childhood. <laughs> I had a whole family. There was damn all the daddy, darling, come home, who was like the mom and this little kid called Flying Robert. They used to play with me and tell me stories. It was real fun at first. Oh, that's what she's saying, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he says, this is the first time I've ever heard of someone being educated by imaginary people. She says, yeah, well, it got so I didn't like the stories they started to tell me. They started giving me bad dreams. <laughs> you got to hate that when your own imaginary friends are turning against you. <laughs> yep. They told me about the little mermaid and about the girl who couldn't stop dancing till they cut off her feet. So I shot them. <laughs> Take control. <laughs> you shot your imaginary friends with what? An imaginary gun. What else? <laughs> wah, wah. I told them I wanted to show them something. Then I took them around behind the barn and I shot them. <laughs> <laughs> She's got all the makings of a of a little psycho killer there. Come here, little boy. I, I want to show you something. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's one way of doing it. What age were you when this happened? Well, about 11, I guess. 11? Ooh, Dorothy, listen. The chief asked me to check something out. I better do it before I forget. We talk about this in a couple minutes? Sure. I'll be back as quickly as I can, he says, giving me a bow. Don't go away. So he goes to the souvenir room, clicks it open, and uh, looking around, looking around, looking around. He sees the, there's a sign for the key's key weapon and the light weapon from Dr. Light. And he sees uh, a label for the Materiopticon. of what looks like oil. Uh -huh. How am I hearing myself now? Yeah, you can hear yourself? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> okay, I think it's all good. Be hearing me too. <laughs> Are you hearing voices? Are these your imaginary friends? <laughs> yes, they all sound like me. That's what, that's what I'm like. My imaginary friends are just like me. Excellent. They're awesome. <laughs> So yeah, it looks like ink on the ground, and uh, as he walks away from it, uh, these weird sort of distorted figures spring up out of the ink and go, inky, inky, inky boys. <laughs> nice. Cut back to Dorothy in the room, TV turns on, and oh, the picture has changed on the TV. It's now the same room, but it has red shoes on the table and blood dripping down the walls. Mm. Lovely. So, uh, yeah, she's not liking them. She says, no, no, oh, no. 
And this dude comes up behind her. He's got like a his his suit jacket has crossword puzzle on it. Mm-hmm. He's got six eyes and a big huge mouth like lips. It's really weird. I'm not sure what it's supposed to uh, be. <laughs> and he says, "Oh yes." Uh, cut back to the trophy room. Josh has noticed the inky people. They say, oh, Blackie, you're as black as ink. Black as ink. Black as ink. Black, black. And they're chasing him, chasing him. And they push him to the door. They push him through the door. And instead of going out into the hallway, he's in the middle of a swamp. It's like there's an Easter Island head and a grandfather clock. Some buoys. (laughs) (laughs) The grandfather clock says, the great tall tailor always comes to little boys who suck their thumbs. And ere they dream what he's about he takes his great sharp scissors out and we get a sort of a it's one of those scissor men from the previous right the first arc there except for he's got like a big huge mouth like looks looks like the lips on the other dude and he's <laughs> rising up out of the swamp and he's gonna go, go after Josh and Josh screams ah and then suddenly he's back in the hallway again he's like Dorothy so he ran he's, I guess he's gonna go save Dorothy so, cut back to Dorothy's room, and there's, uh... Oh, so the dude with the six eyes and the mouth and the stuff is Damal. He's the father, I guess. My newspaper body, alive with financial reports and crossword puzzles that fill themselves in as if by magic. My grotesque smiling head and swarm of eyes turned, as ever, in your direction. A remorseless and surreal grin. Needle and thread! He's got this giant needle with thread in it. So he's wielding it like a sword. And then Darlin' come home. The mother comes in. She's she's basically got like a 50s housewife outfit on, with green dress, apron. But her head is like this big lipped. She's, <laughs> she's, again, she's got the big mouth grin. But her face is like a, a picture of a light bulb. <laughs> Excellent. You just got to wonder what his scripts looked like when he was... Uh... I know. <laughs> And we also have Flying Robert. It looks like a little cherub with little wings, and he's flying around. But instead of a head, he's got like an egg with an eyeball. Just one eye. <laughs> flying Robert, Flying Robert, ghost balloon baby thing. Damol <laughs> uh, is sewing up the door with his big needle so that uh, I guess Josh can't get in to help her. And uh, Darling, come, Darling Come Home says, It's time now, Dorothy. Shoe time. And she reaches into the TV and grabs the red shoes out. <laughs> Put on the shoes, dear Dorothy. Put on the red shoes. Beautiful red shoes. And Dorothy's like, no, don't make me look at them. Don't make me look. Put them on. It's just like knives, Dorothy, dear. Just like walking on knives. Remember the shoes, though? <laughs> I wish I were an angry shoe, a bodiless balloon. Cut off my covenant with God and the pain of orthopedic glue. Heels and nails of dancing shoes, the doors of hammers of pretty knives. She danced again, again, and again, though every step cost her excessive pain. That's not a really good song. It doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> you suck, imaginary song makers. That's right. It's one of those new age songs. <laughs> yeah. Right, avant garde. <laughs> She's begging them to go away, go away. And they say, no, we never go. Well, sew up your mind to stop the dirty thoughts from getting in. She's crying on the t- 
table, and suddenly the door bursts in. Josh uses his powers to bust in the door. He says, let's go, Dorothy. And they run out of the room. The weirdos chase after them. And they run out of the hall, and there's a whale (laughs) swimming through the hall. Like through the walls, <laughs> so it's going across the hall as they're looking down the hall. Just like nothing, you know, nothing's unusual here. Just That's right. Whale passing through. We just have the whales. <laughs> they go to into a room and they close the doors off. She says, "Okay, we better talk about this, Dorothy. Is it your psychic power? Is that what's making these things happen? The way you made that monster appear when you arrived two days ago? Can you make these things go away like you did with the monster?" She says, I can't. I didn't make this happen. I don't have power that strong. I killed them, Mr. Clay. I killed my imaginary friends, and they're real mad about it. (laughs) It's not psychic power. They're real, and they've come back to punish me. Ghosts of imaginary people can't possibly exist, Dorothy. Don't shout at me. I feel sick. I feel sick. (laughs) I said noise. Oh, it's them. It's them. They're coming to get me. They're going to make me wear the shoes. They're going to make me wear the red shoes. (laughs) And there's a big close-up of the... Damn all's face, creepy eyes and stuff. Dorothy's head is splitting open. Not literally, but she feels like it is. Yes. She says, everything's getting out. Josh says, then let it out. Tell me what the red shoes, quickly. I can't say. The bad witch cut out my tongue. He says, tell me. She says, I only wanted ruby slippers. Ruby slippers like Dorothy had in the Wizard of Oz. I just wanted other kids to like me and not to laugh and be cruel and... I wanted to be grown up and not be scared all the time. The darling come home said I couldn't have ruby slippers, only red shoes, like in Hans Christian Andersen. The bad little girl with her feet cut off in the shoes, the shoes still dancing. The feet inside, dancing at the church door in horrible red shoes. Like the little mermaid walking on knives. And Ginger Rogers in top hat when she danced so hard that her white satin shoes turned red. Oh God, I'm ripping open, I'm ripping. The walls are turning to butter, they're coming through. Everything's tearing inside. I was 11, blood running down my legs, turning my white shoes red. I was 11. No one told me about the blood. <laughs> Freaky. That's right. Josh is like, okay, okay, listen. You're describing what some people call an engram or an involute. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of feelings and emotions that cluster together. The red shoes have turned into a kind of charged-up symbol of growing up. You must understand, Dorothy, only you can make it stop. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to. I don't want to think about boys. I'm so ugly. It's not fair. I don't want to grow up. It hurts. It hurts real bad. He says, you have to face it, Dorothy. Confront it. Your mind is causing all this. It's all just guilt and fear, and it's been externalized in the form of these imaginary friends. It's like something has boosted your own image-making power so that, of course, why didn't I think of it? And he blasts his way back down to the trophy room and finds the Materiopticon and smashes it with his super blasty powers. And as he does so, the walls melt around Dorothy, and uh, she opens the door and lets the invisible people, or the imaginary people in, and says, give me the shoes. <laughs> and so Josh comes back, and she's wearing the shoes. She says, you put them on? You put on the red shoes? The ruby slippers, Mr. Clay, they were ruby slippers all along. There's no place like home. Well, that's the end of that story. Oh, we have an epilogue. Yeah, epilogue. <laughs> Somewhere else. 
Uh, I'm going to assume... Oh, no, I was going to assume Paris because there's a picture of the Eiffel Tower. However, it turns out that's actually just a picture on the floor. Ah. And a man walks in wearing a trench coat and he says, I'm here. Let me out of this place. Shut up. Sorry. No, he's not. He's a long, no good life. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> well, I lost you. This is a man. What? There, I lost you for a sec. Put your back. Joe. Yeah. So, this so, is the guy who's talking to himself. Yeah. I can hear me again. <laughs> See, you're Thanks. talking to yourself. You can hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say, I sound like this guy to me because I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> anyway, he's facing a table, and the table is backlit by big, uh, you know, uh, film lights. When right. They, you know, when they make a movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person in the middle says, what do any of us want, Mr. Shelley? A decent standard of living? A little respect? A little respect? A quarter ton of chocolate mousse? But for the moment, we want simply and sincerely to welcome you to the Brotherhood of Evil. Dun, dun, dun! All right. Next issue, Nowhere Man. All right. Excellent. Excellent. So, when I want to talk to the kid about puberty, clearly I just have to have her read this issue. <laughs> there you go. It's exactly like this, I'm sure. Here you it's go. It's a little different for girls than it was for guys. So. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, here you go, kid. Yep. Red shoes. I stand now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, then I've got the next year all mapped out for the kid. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is shoot your imaginary friends and then wear the shoes and nothing, no problem. That's right. It'll all be good. <laughs> All righty. This Shelley character, have we met him before? No, no. He is a new character. Okay. He's going to be... He's going to be important. What? Actually, I think it's next issue. Yes. Next issue is the... Oh, oh. The next issue starts the arc that really brought this, brought me back to this, this uh, series. Actually, I started with the next arc and uh, I went back to... And then you went back? Wreckage. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, I'm losing you again. What? Oh, <laughs> i got to get new connections here. I'm losing you. No. Yeah, there we go. A new and improved brotherhood. Excellent. Yes. Very good. It's funny because it says brotherhood of evil here in this, in this issue, but... Uh, uh, Anybody who's familiar with Doomsday probably knows that they don't turn out to be the Brotherhood of Evil after all. No, they uh, they take a new name. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Very much good. We have a letters page from the usual suspects. Oh yes. And is there anything interesting? Malcolm Byrne and uh, Bob Felber. I don't know who he, I don't know who he is. But I know Malcolm Burnus. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of his. Yeah, I was going to say that name sounds familiar. That sounds like uh, one of those regular letter writers that pops up all over the place. Yeah. All righty. Excellent. Well, if Ooh, you here's a little here's a oh yeah, yeah. sorry here's a little bit from, from uh, a letter from Bob E K from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh huh. 
Dear gentlemen, I was there. When John Byrne and Chris Claremont were forced to kill Phoenix, I was there when Marv, Marv Wolfman and George Perez rewrote the Teen Titans to become a hit. I was there to see Frank Miller give breath into a new Daredevil, a new Batman. I was there to see Superman get his injection that cured him. I saw Grendel rise and terrorize an innocent life, and I saw Earth given another chance by the Watchmen. And now I'm here, Doom Patrol 19-21. I feel as if, as if I'm watching quality be made again. Very well, a good. Pretty good company to be in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was not far off the mark. This is a this is a series that is often referred to or refer- referenced and stuff. So, oh yeah, excellent, <sighs> excellent. So that's that. There we go. We will be back next week looking at another issue of something Doom Patrol-y related. <laughs> Probably Silver Edge again. For sure. Yeah, yeah, we haven't done one of those in a bit. So we'll be Silver Agey, and then we'll eventually get around to the next My Greatest Adventure, and then we'll come back to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. It'll all be awesome. It will be. And do me. And do me. (laughs) All righty. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email. Our email address is doompodtroll at gmail.com, or you can head on over to our website, which is doompodtroll.com and you can see all the episodes there we've got links to the episodes and you can do the little clicky clicky thing and throw your own comments in there if you want we are more than happy to read them yes that I think is about it from us this week so we'll catch you all next week Yay! Yay! Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye.